In the criminal justice system, the people are represented by two separate yet equally important groups, the police who investigate crime and the district attorneys who prosecute the offenders. These are their stories. This is Dr. Bill Parker, and you're listening to the RHS Magnet Spotlight Podcast. Let's do this. All right, everybody. Welcome back to Season 2 of the RHS Magnet Spotlight Podcast. Uh, As always, I'm Dr. Parker, Dr. Bill Parker. Uh, I'll be your host and our co-host here. Eric Archilla, welcome back. For those of you that were with us last year, uh, Eric and I, uh, I think, did three episodes in the the fall last year before we went on hiatus in the spring. Um, Now we have no new sponsors, and so we're going to come back and do this all over again. And no excuses for not giving you more. That's right. That's right. Uh, You know, part of the purpose of this podcast is to advertise some of the great things happening at Richardson High School, uh, specifically in our magnet programs. And as we head deeper into the fall, I know a lot of our uh, junior high parents are going to be starting to think about uh, magnet programs for their students. And so we want to highlight our teachers and our programs. And that's coming up, coming up fast. to be looking ahead to next year, which is hard to, hard to think about when we're six weeks into this one, but um, it will be here before we know it. It is. Uh, gosh, it's it's late-ish September. Um, I'll be having the counselors over uh, to meet and meet with them in November. Uh, we'll start sending packets home in December. January, we'll have Eagle Celebration and the field trips, and by the end of February, we'll have all our applications in and start vetting that process. So get ready. Buckle up. Buckle up. Here we go. <laughs> So, uh, so we've, we've got a really great guest today. Um, this is a gentleman, uh, we, we started talking to him last January about coming on the podcast before we got uh, just so bombarded with spring work and weren't able to, to finish. Uh, but uh, Mr. Archilla, I'm going to let you introduce our guest today because uh, we're excited to have him. So Dr. Christopher <laughs> Bufkin, uh, tell us what is your doctorate in? Uh, jurisprudence. Jurisprudence. That's a good doctor to have being the head of the RHS Law Magnet. Exactly. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me today. It's wonderful. Uh, You know, we talked a little bit about uh, the history of the magnets last last fall, um, and we've grown over the years. But when you go back 35, 36 years, Law was one of the original magnet programs we had. Yes, that's been definitely here as long as I've been here. Um, And and they have a terrific program and uh, very excited to share with you all about the law program. All right, enough about this uh, pre-talk. Let's let's start talking about the magnet. Uh, Mr. Buffkin, tell us a little bit more about you, um, your background, where you came from, how you ended up here, and then we'll start talking about the magnet a little bit. All right. I went to Texas A&M Commerce for undergrad, um, majored in communications, and so I like to talk. <laughs> um, after that, I took uh, the non-traditional route. I spent most of my 20s trying to find where I wanted to be and what I wanted to do and um, honestly I met a medical doctor and I was a personal trainer and massage therapist at the time and I was like I need to be something more to get this girl (laughs) and so I was like what can I do and I, I could do law school and so I had a buddy who was a lawyer and I went up to him I was like what do what do I need to do 
And he was like, dude, just take the LSAT, see how you do. And so I did that and um, got into law school and got the girl, and I've been married to her since 2009. So, All right, guys. So when being a trophy husband isn't enough, go to law school. <laughs> exactly. Yes. yes, if you are not going to get an advanced degree in something, you are not trying hard enough. <laughs> That's the lessons I try to teach. So so when you got out of law school, obviously, I'm, I'm sure you went to work uh, to pay off loans and such. Um Tell, tell everybody out there uh, how you practice, where you practice, um, and, and a little bit of background there. All right. So um, after law school, I uh, went and um, did a lot of different contract, contractual jobs um, with other attorneys, um, took on some of their caseloads, and also was interning with the uh, Dallas County Public Defender's Office in their mental health division. And so, yeah, doing that. And working with the other attorneys doing criminal defense gained me a lot of you know experience and met a lot of interesting people i like to say that i am the garth brooks song i have friends in low places <laughs> so there you go <laughs> i'm always curious when when someone is in law like what area of law fascinates you the most criminal defense always fascinated me the most mainly the innocence project and stuff was really a fascinating aspect to it because while I was in law school our Oklahoma City School of Law was looking at getting the Innocence Project as part of their curriculum and um, so they had John Grisham come out and speak and he spoke about a book that he wrote one of my favorite all-time books it's called The Innocent uh, The Innocent Man um, it's his only nonfiction book I believe that he's written and it's about a man from Oklahoma who was wrongfully accused of murder and him and his friend and they were convicted of it and uh, one was sentenced to life and then the innocent man the main guy in the story he was sentenced to death and he was typically he was the town crazy mental health and mental illness is a big part of my life and I have a brother who's was diagnosed with schizophrenia and so reading this story and seeing what happened to him this guy I didn't want that to ever happen to my brother and so I actually got to meet John Grisham and oh how hey, cool yeah and he talked That's to awesome. me for a minute about my stuff and then I met the sisters of the guy that the book was about and so yeah the criminal defense and also working with trying to make the system better our system of justice better you know, you talk about the the Innocence Project. You know, it's funny because I see even when they they do um, have a success, where they they get DNA evidence admissible in a court that wasn't previously discovered or previously tested, um, it still surprises me in in the face of evidence how hard it is through our system to get these these uh, convictions vacated. Mm -hmm. it's, it, it's crazy. It's like you would you would think. You know, if, if, if they think I'm stealing from Walmart and I show them the receipt, they're like, oh, okay, cool, you can go. But if, if you're convicted of a crime, wrongfully committed, and or convicted of a crime, and you show them all, like, no, but here's the DNA, it's not me, um, it, you can still languish for years before that's, that's finally corrected. And sometimes it's not. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, and DNA is not always there. Correct. And so those people who are lucky enough to have the DNA evidence, I mean, at least those can, those are still very difficult 
to get through the system, but imagine those who there is no DNA and they are wrongfully convicted. They say, you know, 95% of those who are accused of a crime actually did commit it. So that leaves 5% who are not guilty sure. and they're sitting in our prisons right now wrongfully. And that could have any number of reasons, like the DNA you just mentioned was sometimes that's prosecutors or police mm-hmm. hiding it because they want this person. And so it, it's a that aspect, I guess, of being in law and trying to correct that and fight against that kind of thing, that um, the corruption part sure. has always been interesting to me. I'm out of curiosity, the kids who come to your program mm-hmm. to do the law magnet, what are some of the reasons that they have for being interested in law? Other than law and order? <laughs> we have. Uh, I get that question a lot. Do you watch Law and Order? I tell a lot of them are interested in it because of family members or something happened in their lives mm-hmm. with, a, with another family. Like when I say family members, I mean like attorney family members. Sure, sure. And then also something happens like where one of their family members was arrested or something. Um, and they've lived through that kind of a horrible experience, guilty or not, you know, that's not our place kind of deal. That's they're, they're innocent until proven guilty in court. And so they tend to be, have some kind of experience with it. Television, of course, entertainment suits was another one, I guess, too, um, that they're fascinated with. But yeah. And I think the other part is when they come in, I have my students talk to them during magnet day and stuff like that. And I think them getting to talk to my students encourages them to apply as well. Right. So they feel a little bit more comfortable when it's the kids selling the program as opposed to, I guess, me. Well, it's funny. Like I, when I've served in jury duty before, like they make a big point to say, it's not like the TV shows. This is not how, you know, criminal law actually works. Um, is that hard to fight that stereotype? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's I I try to kill that stereotype pretty quickly and tell them, look, it's I'm real with the kids. I don't sugarcoat law school. I don't sugarcoat the practice of law. It can be highly stressful. And especially when you're talking criminal defense, because this isn't dollars and that you're dealing with. This is liberty, someone's freedom, freedom of movement. And um, we want to make sure that the government has it right um, before someone gets locked up because it's not just to lock up someone who's innocent or even if they're not innocent, if the government didn't follow the constitution, that too, which is, you know, we have to respect that. (laughs) Talking along those lines, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, law is is real simple. Well, excuse me. (laughs) Law is not simple. Um, What I was trying to say is it's obvious that many people that many students that want to come into the law magnet are interested in practicing law. Mm -hmm. Um, But I I can imagine there's probably any number of additional professions out there Mm -hmm. that they could succeed in, uh, pursue, if if not through a law degree, but through undergrad. Mm -hmm. Uh, What are some of the other areas of of governance that you that you talk about and that you teach over the course of the four years in the law school or in the law Mm -hmm. magnet? We cover everything from to get them prepared for business world um any of the positions you can do in the business world i i really encourage my students that even if they don't want to be an attorney that going to law school is a great 
opportunity, especially for their future as they uh, apply to jobs. Um, a lot of law schools offer MBA degrees with their JD degree. So what better way? I mean, sure. you look really good on a HR hiring person's desk when you have, when they see law school and MBA, that you're someone who has leadership material for their, their business. And so, you know, it's not a requirement to take the bar when you go to law school or when you graduate. Right. So, yeah. but they see, yeah. they see that. So take it back to the, see that um, law degree or the, the law school and the MBA on their resume. Mm -hmm. And and so, yeah, they're able to, they'll look, they look better than someone with just an MBA or just an undergrad um, or even just, I'm not trying to diminish any of the degrees or anything, but um, I'm saying that my JD is better, but you're telling going, me, you're telling me my BFA in theater performance is not as respected. <laughs> what? <laughs> No, I respect it. <laughs> One of my favorite quotes is from Winston Churchill. If you're going through hell, keep going. And that's what having that JD degree and surviving law school kind of shows that you can do. You can go through it and keep going and not stop. So that was scary because the, the change changed topic a little bit. When you said, you know, there's a, there's a quote, I'm thinking, oh, no, don't do Legally Blonde. <laughs> <laughs> Don't quote legally blonde. No. Um, but I say that because um, among the things that, that Mr. Bufkin really likes is uh, he's really into pop culture and uh, uh, movies and Star Wars, uh, but, but many different types of pop culture. Um, where does that come from? Um, I, I don't know. I just, just wanting to be able to relate, I guess, to my students. Yeah. Um, making sure I'm kind of know what's going on a little bit because they ask me stuff all the time. Like currently right now with the Utah lady who was recently arrested for the child stuff and she was a parent, YouTube star, I don't know a whole lot, but um, I know about that story. Sure. <laughs> so uh, they talk about that. They, they love asking questions and um, obviously I love answering them. <laughs> of course, of course. You, um, and you're, you're You've been an early adopter. You've had a TikTok account before most of our teachers had TikTok accounts. You've done some <laughs> kind of cool stuff out there. So I know it's a, a huge part of your uh, your personality, uh, and it's part of what makes it fun. I think it's part of what makes the students relate to you and, and enjoy being in your class. I think so, too. And, you know, they had begged me before COVID. They were like, get a TikTok, get a TikTok. And so when COVID hit, I was at home. <laughs> I'm like, what else do I have to do? <laughs> so let's have some fun. Describe for us your classroom. What does your classroom look like? Well, there's a whiteboard. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> My classroom is loud a lot of times, and I like it that way. I like it with the kids talking to each other about our material and debating, and we read cases, and I teach them how to be successful if they decide to go to law school or if they decide to do pre-law as undergrad or whatever. I teach them how to be successful at, those le at that level, and you wouldn't believe the number of messages I get from former students thanking me for teaching them that skill because it helped them, it's helping them in college um, and be successful in college. And so that's the biggest compliment, even though, you know, in the time while they're going through it, they're like, another one? <laughs> and I'm like, yep, another one. And so, but it, it's about just like you would practice a sport, 
you had rehearsed for theater, you know, you're preparing for life. You're practicing for those future things that where this is going to really help you. That's right. Speaking of practicing, uh, let's talk a little bit about mock trial. <laughs> for, for our listeners at home, uh, I want to tell you that in the early days of the magnet, probably for the first 20 years of the magnet, we, we had a really, really strong uh, mock trial presence. Um, state championships, national uh, something? I know there. I have a couple of banners in my room for going to nationals. That's I think what I was seeing. 7th and 8th in nationals. Yeah, so, so we kind of had a storied pr- program early on. We, we then kind of hit a, a rough spot. We had some turnover. We had, you know, like three teachers in five or six years. Uh, we kind of um, had to rebuild a little bit. But one of the things that, that I'm really proud of with your program is how uh, over the last few years you've rebuilt our, our mock trial program um, and how we are really moving up the state ranks quickly over the last few years. Share a little bit about that. When I got here, I really didn't know much about mock trial. And so I really leaned on my veterans who are in the class to help me learn it. And so it's been kind of a learn as you go and trial and error things for it. Um, but the team every year has been stronger than the prior year. Being such a subjective competition, you're, as I'm sure you know too, that it just, you can only do so much. And where a play, uh, someone, a witness or an attorney might get a score of out of 10 points, might get a nine or a 10 on every ballot, there might be one ballot where they get a four or a five. Yep. And so, um, and we had that just happen last year. And so it's frustrating on that part, how subjective it is, but as long as they go out there and they make the objections that they know to make and they, the witnesses perform their role, and which is kind of scripted slash improv, I'm always proud of them. And I believe that if you go out there and you perform, whatever the judges say, we'll be, we'll be fine. And, um, you know, and that's been the case every year. Uh, we've done super well. There was one year where we didn't make it to the second weekend, but we competed against and beat two of the three teams that we faced who one was a recent perennial state powerhouse. The other one had just gone to state the year before and was like the state finalist um, the year before. And then the other team is just one of those teams that's consistently always there. Mm -hmm. And, you know, beating two of the three of them I couldn't have been any prouder than them. We had a gauntlet of a schedule that season, and they did great, and they handled it well. And then last year, they went back out there. They competed really well. They won the ballot of the one of the authors of the case. They won. He judged it. He scored it, and they won his ballot, even though we lost the round two ballots to, to one. His was the one we won. And it was like, look. That's right there. You win his ballot? I'll take this every time. Just winning the author's ballot is great. But the kids put in a lot of work, and they put in a lot of time. They work really hard on their directs, their crosses, their opening statements, their closing arguments, and um, their witnesses, and developing a character with them. And, I mean, it couldn't be done without them. I can tell you that. (laughs) And the fact that I don't get to call time out (laughs) daring it to kind of regain their composure or something i tell my captains that they're my uh coach 
in the courtroom. When they're in the courtroom, it's up to them to keep their people at that table calm and um, going, you know, to motivate them because I can't do anything. So I just sit there and watch and take notes. <laughs> That's it. So. Uh, speaking of courtroom, if you have not seen the Law Magnet classroom, it literally looks like a courtroom. It's really, really mm-hmm. cool. Uh, it's a, a fun setup. We actually filmed when we did Legally Blonde here. We did a, a couple of our little commercials in there because it looked like a little courtroom setup. Uh, this is pretty awesome. <laughs> That's awesome. That's funny. Yeah, it really is. I hadn't thought about that, but it really is. It's a double classroom, and mm-hmm. one one entire side of the classroom is a is a courtroom. Mm-hmm. How does the student get chosen to be the judge <laughs> in those situations? Um, well, the students who know the rules of evidence the best. I'll normally let them during practices if I'm working with other students on their parts um, they'll be up there making rulings and stuff like that and then if they have a question for me about it then I'm always happy to come in and give my two cents the thing I think that frustrates them the most is that it is that the rules of evidence there's no right answer I mean, it's like, it's an argument and you just have to be confident in your argument. You have to explain why you're right. And, um, and that evidence should or should not be admitted. And so, um, I think they get a little frustrated with me sometimes because I'm like, well, you can make that argument (laughs) (laughs) rather than yes or no. Right. Because they want it. They want to know for sure. They want that, like that math answer, you know, this is how it's done. Therefore, you know, A plus B is going to equal C right. kind of deal. And that's not always the case. And so I'd have to tell them, look, that could go either way. And a judge could say that it's admitted and you win or they could sustain it and say it's not admissible and you lose. You're going to have to carry on either way. So you got to be prepared for that. How often do you get a student that that their end goal is they want to be a judge or maybe someday a Supreme Court justice? <laughs> um I have a couple that just graduated that I think want to do that. I think a lot of them are really, really humble about their future, but I know there's some that have some aspirations for future things, and there's some that I look at them like, I could see that one. That one's going to be a rock star in the legal field. And then there's some that actually, I really feel like they'll be the next Texas hammer on TV too. There you go. (laughs) Now that's, you need a class in how to make a good commercial. That's (laughs) it. Um, all right, so uh, a lot of people don't know, but you do have another obsession in your life. There's a, another woman in your life that um, not not a lot of us have, have ever met or seen, but apparently you have a, an unhealthy relationship with your Jeep. <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> Tell us about her. <laughs> um, yeah, she's – I've always wanted a Jeep. And so when we saw it, I was like – Rachel's like, okay – you can trade in your car. And I was like, sweet. (laughs) And so, um, still she's a work in progress. I'll say that. Um, I named her ghost spider after one of the, um, spider verse characters, the one who wears the all white. Yeah. Cause she's, she's a white Jeep. And so, um, I'm always begging to take her wherever, if we're going out of town, (laughs) we went to the beach and I was like, we got to drive the Jeep. That's it. And so, so we can drive it on the, on the beach. 
she's a great car. She gets me where I need to go. And she's a great Jeep, I should say. <laughs> <laughs> Just looking forward. I don't know if she'll ever be like fully, she'll always be a work in progress, always be something to, to do um, and to add on. And it doesn't hurt that my wife kind of feeds into it a little too. Of course, that's always, <laughs> that always helps. I always love looking through the magazines with her. I'm like, look at this and this. <laughs> so in talking about the Jeeps, this is something I never knew about until, until, until you mentioned it the other day or last year. Tell me about the duck thing. <laughs> Tell me about people with Jeeps and the ducks. Um, man, the ducks, uh, it's something I, the first time I saw it was on when I joined my first Facebook Jeep group. That is an implication that I am involved with multiple Jeep groups on Facebook. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I saw it and I was like, oh, that's really cool. And, um, really it's just, uh, camaraderie kind of thing, a community thing to just be like, look, you are noticed. I see you kind of thing. I think it more has to do with it's kind of the friendly part of Jeep culture because we also have the Jeep wave. I was going to ask you about the Jeep <laughs> wave next. And so I think with the Jeep wave, the ducks, um, those tend to just be a part of that Jeep culture of friendliness. And that's one thing that really brought me into wanting that is that, um, that openness. So, yeah. I enjoy ducking people. That's there a lot of fun. It is awesome. fun. It's always fun to leave a duck behind, and it's always fun when you come out of the store. It's kind of you lose your breath a little bit because you see it, and you're like, <gasps> <laughs> <laughs> and so yeah, awesome, awesome. Well, one of the things we did last year that we had a lot of fun with was uh, was a little segment we did called Five Questions with Doctor P. Uh, what do you think, Eric? We want to do it again this year? Oh, yeah. Let's bring it back. All right. So, ladies and gentlemen, without further ado, it's five questions with Dr. P. Mr. Bufkin, first question. What two non-essential items would you want with you if you were shipwrecked on a deserted island? Non-essential items? Non-essential items. My Jeep. <laughs> it better be a big island. Yes. The yeah. island's only 10 feet wide. I can go in circles in it. <laughs> um, well, Johnny Castaway Island. <laughs> anyway, second item. Um, hmm. Ball to throw up in the air, I guess, to keep All me entertained. Right. All right. Like a football or something to play with. Or to name Wilson. <laughs> yeah, Wilson. Give me Wilson. Would you relive your days in high school if you could? Man, that's a. That's a good one. Uh, I guess yes. I think it would be fun to, as long as we don't have the technology and stuff that we have today, as long as it's like actually back in when I was in high school and everything, the times were the same. Um, As long as I can take my Jeep. Exactly. (laughs) Um, You know, it'd be fun to play football and stuff again and kind of do some of those things, those extracurriculars, relive those things. All right, so question number three, and I'm going to alter this. I'm going to ad-lib this just a little bit, uh, Eric, because I think I know the answer. (laughs) Which superhero or anti-hero would you want to be and why? (laughs) You probably do know the answer. (laughs) Um, Loki. I love Loki. Um, (laughs) Bonus points for Parker. (laughs) Yes, Loki is my favorite because... um, he seems more real kind of like with the struggle like yeah. we all think i think humanity has that struggle of wanting more 
but also wanting and getting it however you can kind of deal plus the the struggle of wanting to still be good and be liked or loved and so I think he struggles with that and so um I've always found that fascinating with that character and mm-hmm. especially the way it's been portrayed sure um I thought Marvel's done a great job on their cinematic universe with it um but yeah totally Mm-hmm. Um, Marvel in general, I think, always does better at humanizing their characters. Yeah. So. And so that's, yeah, Loki's just, there's just something fun about him. And the mischievous side. There's that. All right, if you were a salad, what type of dressing would you have? <laughs> <laughs> if I, was a I did not write these questions, y'all. <laughs> um, if I was a salad, what kind of dressing would I have? Yes. yes. Okay. Uh, I guess... Generic ranch. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. I like ranch. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I'd go with the ranch. Is that because you don't think that, that you're good enough for Hidden Valley Ranch? Or are you just a sensible guy? Sensible salad. I'm a sensible salad. Gotcha. But it'd be Paul Newman's. Paul Newman's. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Got to have some donation. Donate some of that profit. Perfect. <laughs> a salad with a social conscience. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right, question number five. On a scale of one to a thousand, how would you rate me as an interviewer? And there is a correct answer, right? Yes, <laughs> there is. <laughs> one thousand being the best and one? Yes. Okay. Just want to make sure, want to verify which. Feel free numbers. to substitute infinity for a thousand if you want, okay. whatever you think. Yeah, we'll go with the infinity. This has been fun, and you're a great interviewer. And so, yeah, I've had a blast doing this. That's awesome. So, and what about right. Eric? And you can say infinity plus one. I'll be, I won't be offended. So on a scale of one to a thousand, infinity plus one, how would you rate uh, Mr. Archilla? Hmm. Being our theater teacher, and he might have some stuff for to help me, some people who can help me with some characters. Infinity. Plus one. I'll yeah. go ahead and nice. give it. All right, there yeah. you go. Nice. There you go. These guys have been great. We'll put the weapons away now. That's right. <laughs> he's the pro. He's. I'm learning everything from him. He's. He's the podcasting pro. And this has been. This felt professional. Like I can't believe that y'all have only done three. Well, we've done so, four now. Four. <laughs> this being the four. Four in the bank. <laughs> so I'm going to tell one more story before we wrap things up. Um, so I, I told you that we'd had, I won't say turnover, it wasn't a revolving door, but we had a, we had a teacher here who was a social studies teacher who taught our, our law program for years. Um, and she decided to go to grad school. And so around, 19, around 2014, um, we needed a new law teacher and we found a retired attorney. And it was quite a coup. We thought, oh, we have an attorney. Uh, and he was a retired, a retired gentleman um, and I think did a pretty good job I think he did a pretty good job of trying to move us forward a little bit. Um, but then he, he ended up leaving, and we were fortunate enough to have a, another attorney apply, mm-hmm. uh, who was your immediate predecessor, mm-hmm. um, and, and again, did a, did a nice job, did a real nice job. And then I'm guessing it was the fall of 2017, is that right, when you started? I started fall of 2018. Okay, 2018. So we have an opening. Uh, Mr. Choate and I are sitting here in his office. We're like... What are the odds that we're going to have another attorney? I mean, who's going to teach this? Where are we going to find a law, a law teacher? Because school starts in, in a week. It was very late in the summer. It was. And we ran across this, this resume, and we thought, eh, 
let's let's talk to this guy. I mean, we we got nothing to lose. Let's talk to let's talk to him. Hopefully, he's great. So this this baby faced <laughs> red headed young man walks in, uh, wearing a suit. Uh, talked talked about how much he loved kids. Talked about how he really wanted to you know because for me. I know what attorneys can make in the real world, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, why would anyone with a law degree want to come to Richardson High School when they could be practicing making making money, uh, suing, you know, school districts, school districts, <laughs> um, uh, you know, uh, military bases, uh, municipalities, right? I mean, and Defending so Ken I Paxton. Yes, so. So, you know, I, I was skeptical, mm-hmm. um, and you came in, and, and we started talking, and, and you talked about uh, social issues, and you talked about teaching kids and giving back, um, and and you left the interview, and I looked at Mr. Choate, and I said, you know, I said, I think he's the guy, and Mr. Choate said, I think so too, and I said, the kids are either going to love him or they're going to eat him, one way or the other. Um, but but thankfully for everyone, you've done a great job. It's been wonderful bringing, just watching you build the program over the last five years. Um, and I just want to thank you for everything you've done. Oh. And, and on the subject of the program, um, how do kids get into your program? What do they have to do on the interview process to yeah. become part of the RHS Law Magnet? So they need an 89 average for their first semester of eighth grade, and they can apply in January. They, an 89 average in their history and their English classes. Um, And if they have that, they're able to apply. And the interview on, we'll schedule the interviews and on interview day, they come in and I have a prompt, uh, kind of a law type prompt for them to make an argument on. And um, they write for about 30 minutes and then they come in for and sit with me and a couple of my students for about 15 and two at a time normally and um we just have a we ask questions and just have a nice little conversation um with them and get to know them and yeah so that's how they apply and what is the best way they can prepare for that experience i would say look up like helpful interviewing techniques and be open honest talk (laughs) i think it's fun when the students tend to when one student disagrees with the other that shows whether they really do or not like if they just take on the other side you know that makes the interview a little bit more fun for me so um you know think about when because when we talk about the prompt and things like that in here i don't want to give away the prompt of course um otherwise i would say look up that (laughs) um they come in and just be willing ready to talk about your side and then if you if if both sides you and your partner agree then one of you take on one inside tip think about whatever's bolded whenever you're writing on On the the prompt prompt. yeah the bolded part of the prompt think about that so it's really when you talk about the conversation and the getting to know it's really more about who that person is coming in mm-hmm. and how they express themselves and their willingness to be vulnerable um, than having the right or wrong answers. Yeah, it is. It's more about there There are no right or wrong answers. Um, it's about me trying to learn who they are. So be willing to be open and answer the questions and um, that we have. And I think, and that's one reason why I bring students 
in with me is because I feel that the eighth graders feel more comfortable around other students than me sitting on the other side of a table in a windowless room <laughs> where I do That's my right. interview. So very good. Um, one thing to, to elaborate on what you said uh, for everybody at home, uh, parents, I want you to know that for the law magnet and any of our magnets, um, when we look at academic qualifications, we do look at the first semester of eighth grade. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's not too early to start making sure that you've got the required grades, grade levels, classes. Um, and the other thing I'll say is that when we do work these class averages, uh, we do include quality points. So if they're in an advanced level class, we do add five. So when you talk about having that 89, mm-hmm. um, that will include any quality points. Yes. So if they got an 84 for a semester average and they took an advanced, that was an advanced class, they would have an 89. Correct. I needed to bring that up. Well, tell us a little bit about mock trial for freshmen. So mock trial for freshmen is a newer class, and it's one I'm continually trying to get it off the ground and going. And I know with band and stuff like that, all the extracurriculars and freshmen have a limited amount of room in their schedule. But mock, my freshman mock trial class is designed for students to have a safe place to learn what mock trial is. And it gives them a practical sense of even the practice of law, of the litigation part of law. In my first few years, the freshmen were always really intimidated when they came in with all the experienced students and the upperclassmen. And so, and they would be in their shells and it was really hard to get them out of their shells. In a classroom of people who are all out of their shells. Right. Um, and they've tossed their shell way aside kind of thing. I wanted to do something for the freshmen uh, to help them. And so I do have a freshman mock trial class that um, is currently first period. We do have it. So if you talk to your counselor in eighth grade, even if you don't get in the law magnet, that's something that you could still take if you're still really interested in law. And so doing that, you know, make the count, like if you talk to the counselor, they're like, no, that's a club. It's not, <laughs> it's a class, we have it. And it's a fun class and um, it'll help you with public speaking. It'll help you with um, advocacy, arguing for yourself um, and all those things. So it gives some great life skills in the public, like being able to um, act or uh, learn new, learn how to introduce exhibits and stuff like that. So give some valuable skills for the future. As does the entire experience in the law magnet. Yes, absolutely. Definitely. All right, guys. Well, it's been fun, but I think it's time that we start wrapping things up. All right. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for listening to our uh, Magnet Spotlight podcast. We'll see you down the road. Thank you for listening to the RHS Magnet Spotlight. For more information on our programs, please find us on the internet at www.rhsmagnet.org. You can also find us on Twitter at RHS underscore Magnet.